Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership. Hello, my friends. Thanks for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. In today's episode, we're going to bring you conversations I had at two different national conferences. First, we're going to go back to the archives, episode 74, where we brought you interviews with Ramona Rodriguez-Brooks and Tim Garbinski of NCO. We're going to play an excerpt of our conversation with Ramona. We hope that you'll go back and listen in full. NCO has a lot of great things going on. We're really happy to have staff members come on the podcast and talk about it. This was recorded at their national conference in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in April 2019. And then we switched to our professional advisor spotlight. We put the spotlight on Will Rodriguez, who's a very talented valuation advisor based in Tampa, Florida. And Will was kind enough to sit down with me in Las Vegas He was in Las Vegas for the ESOP Association National Conference. We sat down and recorded there. And as anybody who knows anything about me or the podcasts, we support all of the organizations, all of the advocates, all of the professionals, and all of the employee owners, wherever we find them. So it's kind of fun for me to bring you an episode that goes from NCO's National Conference to one recorded during the ESOP Association National Conference. So with that, here's a look back to episode 74 and an excerpt of my conversation with Ramona Rodriguez-Brooks. Enjoy. Uh, Ramona, we're at the National Conference, and first of all, congratulations to you folks. 1,900 rough uh, numbers, we think, largest ESOP gathering in history. Uh, I mean, mean, congratulations, but also thanks from the community, but you've got to be very excited. We're very excited. I mean, you say thanks from the community. Really, it's thanks for the community. This community is growing. They're excited. They're kind. Uh, one of the one of the most hilarious conference evaluation comments that we've ever gotten was, um, "Whenever I come to the annual conference, I feel like I'm part of the most genuinely caring cult in history." Cult. <laughs> That's actually very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> and and part of it for those who might be tuning in for the first time, those who believe in employee ownership are very passionate about it. That's right. So there's no uh, hidden rituals. There's no Kool Aid. It's just all of us gathered around what we all think is a very good. Uh, uh, cause for us to be involved in. That's right. So when you look at, um, we want to talk about membership a little bit, and we'll get back to this conference in a moment, but NCO, a lot of people think of in terms of the national conference. You mm-hmm. also do a lot of educational stuff, but NCO is, is doing uh, uh, smaller events around the country as well. Is that correct? We do. We do um, smaller events around the country all year round. We have ESOP feasibility meetings specifically, looking into whether an ESOP is right for you. We do um, really introductory ESOP meetings that are geared towards both people thinking about ESOPs and also people who are maybe looking at a second transaction or they want to send someone from their committee to learn more about ESOP basics. We do those. And then we have our fall forum and annual conference. And one of the great things, and I'll just speak about the conference for a moment and then talk about the other interactions members could have, um, is when you come to an NCO conference, first of all, there are great presentations that are uh, uh, given by leading experts and employee owners from around the country, but it is very usual if someone has a question in the audience, it's answered during the presentation, but if it's complicated or nuanced, people will gather afterwards and just try and help people get the answers, that it's it's very uh, collegial. 
you're right. I've seen people ask questions of speakers and the speaker might, you know, begin to answer their question and then someone else will raise their hand in the audience and say, well, this is how I dealt with that issue. And we all learn from the experiences right. and ultimately uh, ESOPs, uh, just one form of business, but business is business. So there's so much different information. And if you have a specific question, 99% of the time you're going to find someone who's had that experience and can speak to it. Absolutely. And our members are so, I, I said the word kind and I really do mean it and sharing. Um, there's a sense in our community that we should be learning from it one another and that uh, that's one of our strengths. So we see a lot of this kind of networking that happens, this peer-to-peer -peer connection, and just uh, an incredible amount of openness, especially for um, people who are in their daily business lives, maybe they can't talk about all the, uh, all the strategies that they have, all the challenges, the specific things that come up around employee ownership. Their regular network of business friends might not really understand that, but in this environment, not only do we have people who are running successful businesses, we have people who are running them in a similar way in this very unique employee-owned environment. And you also, uh, and there's great value to the regional, you know, or the state-based uh, meetings, but you have the advantage, even if you have a good uh, solid team of ESOP experts, um, you've got the entire national pool of professional advisors available, so it's a good time to meet new people, get um, uh, new input, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And helping our members meet each other is one of the priorities that I have in my job. And one of the things that's really great about these meetings, um, for example, I, I had someone come up to me and say, Ramona, will you help me find a company that's like mine? We really want to be developing an ownership culture, uh, employee engagement, but most of our employees are remote. Can you find someone like that? I haven't been able to. And she's just had this look of, of desperation in her eyes. And I told her I didn't want to raise her expectations too much. And I said, I will do my best. Uh, but not five minutes later, I had another woman come up to me and say, Ramona. And she has this look of desperation in her eyes. And she says, Ramona, will you find me a company who uh, is working on ownership culture and employee engagement? because my company is 90% remote. So I was able to connect these women here at this conference, and uh, that's just one of, the, one of the best parts about my job. And the funny thing is, it's a bit unique that in five minutes they both might come to you and you can make that connection, mm -hmm. but if the second one hadn't walked up, you probably would have found her knowing you a little bit. And it's you see all the time where someone will be pulling someone almost by the hand or the sleeve to do a quick introduction just because everybody's here. That's so right. I'm really glad that you were able to do that. And the these folks go, and the fact is, they may learn a lot about ESOPs and uh, what they need to know, but that connection may be the single most valuable experience, so uh, everybody gets different things out of it. Okay. We talk often, Ramona, about membership in uh, NCO, and just as we say there are other professional advisors, we're not in a vacuum. There's the ESOP Association, and ESCA, there are other organizations. Mm -hmm. And uh, from our perspective, uh, if the community is healthy, uh, we, uh, we're all healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, but with that, we generally say uh, companies should belong, and we don't uh, uh, push one or the other. And for us, uh, just as professional advisors at Capital Trustees, we say go to the conferences and kind of talk like you and I just did. 
for the podcast purposes, though, there's a lot of benefits to membership. Uh, I know, and, and, and you'll go through, but like a monthly newsletter and other resources. So why don't you tell us from your perspective uh, everything that membership in NCO would bring to the table? So I'm going to start with another story about networking, and it might be a little similar, but a person emailed me and said, my board tasked me to find an ESOP company with a minority ownership interest that's in manufacturing that is under 100 employees and in the Northeast. And we're, um, and he said, I'm sorry if this is too much to ask. He's wanting you to identify a company with that criteria. With that criteria and connect him. Okay. And we're able to do that. We were able to do that for him. I, we're working on a project right now that is mapping the ESOP universe, taking a stock of every ESOP plan there is and taking a look at certain data points about these plans that have never been recorded before, including percentage of ownership. So I was able to take this new data and uh, scour through it, find another member, uh, actually several members that fit that criteria, and then connected people who were willing to speak with one another. It was fantastic. And by the way, for anyone listening casually, uh, done very appropriately within your rules of communication and information, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. as you guys are sharing this, and that's part of the advantage. So that's part of the yeah. advantage of membership because as members, we, we open up the NCEO staff resources, us as human resources, we mm -hmm. open ourselves completely to our members. You can call us, you can email us, and ask us about employee ownership questions. We can't have too of an in-depth conversation without charging for consulting, but we also do that, and we charge very reasonable fees for that. For Let our me members. ask, because I didn't realize, and, and I'm glad that we're sitting down to do this, the consulting that, that NCEO does, and obviously you have expertise, so uh, to your point, uh, it's not like somebody can call up and they've decided that they're going to invest in a business and they're going to ask you and you're going to do 20 hours of research on that. There was a specific request that you were able to mm -hmm. uh, handle and you guys do that just as part of what you do. Right. But tell me a little bit about the consulting services that, that you offer and how someone would go about Right. You can call us up and, think, and say something like, I, I want to reevaluate our executive compensation. And I want to know more about what other ESOP companies do and w what kind of structures I can put in place as far as stock compensation or, you know, innovative ways on compensating executives. And not only can we provide you research like our executive compensation survey that we do um, that is ESOP specific, uh, we also have just a wealth of knowledge around stock ownership in general. And so we'll get Corey Rosen on the phone. We'll get Lauren Rogers on the phone with you or, on, or via email. And you can just have a little conversation that will guide you in the right direction that can lead you to ask more detailed questions of the advisors you already work with. And that's the key thing uh, we want to be clear for the advisors who are listening. Mm -hmm. You're not suggesting that if they hire NCO as a consultant, they're not going to need ESOP lawyers. It's or true. you're not going to say you're not going to need uh, valuation advisors. The folks are still going to need, but you're an excellent starting point. And uh, even with the consulting on an in-depth level, you can bring it to the level. But, but at some point, the regular professional advisors would be brought in you know, as normal. Precisely. And sometimes the answers to the questions that we get is 
this is what we think about it, but you need to talk to your lawyer or your valuation advisor or your trustee. I'm almost thinking, uh, for some reason, it's a horrible analogy, but I pictured like the Butterball Thanksgiving hotline where someone calls up, I need a recipe for employee ownership. And you're like, take two teaspoons of stock options. Right. You know, but that's, uh, that's very cool. It's cool that uh, you guys do that. Sometimes it is the emergency helpline. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's call early. Don't call late. Of course, you can call late if you're in an issue, but um, you can give us a call for early guidance, and we can save you time, we can save you money, and we can save you hassle by pointing you in the right direction, pointing you in a, you know, you bring up law, legal direction. Sometimes people will call us up, and I hear Corey say, you can't do that, that's not legal. And that's that's very valuable advice. Right, <laughs> right. And, and and there are certain things, uh, and and you wouldn't get this question, but can we commit bank fraud? A quick no is very helpful, you know, yeah. so that's, uh, that's, that's fun. So one of the, uh, uh, give me some of the other stuff, uh, that membership that, that you like to talk about. We uh, produce webinars almost weekly. So this is a great way, you know, I was talking about those um, people with, employees who work remotely. It's a great way for to remotely connect to ESOP knowledge and also to share that knowledge with your employees. If you're an employee-owned company and a member of the NCEO, the way we structure our membership, every employee is now covered by the membership and can do stuff like log into the webinars and learn about communication and culture or learn about how to communicate a valuation statement or learn about what goes into a valuation. So let me get close to the mic and repeat this so everybody listens. Employee-owned companies, you are able to have every single participant be able to log in, get the resources that they are on, and not to replace the other culture and communication efforts you are, you are working on. But if you are interested in culture and communication, and you better be, what a great additional resource for every single employee owner. And then to encourage, and not all of them are going to go, but to be able to say they have a resource is wonderful. It's true. I know some companies um, will sometimes, especially companies that might not ha be so computer-based, or their workforce isn't so computer-based, they will, um, I know Restech, a great Pennsylvania company who's here on the host committee of this conference, uh, projected the webinar intro to ESOPs and just had a, a little meeting and invited everyone uh, who wanted to come. Maybe they served breakfast, but the content we took care of. That completes this excerpt of our conversation with Ramona Rodriguez Brooks. We hope you'll turn into episode 74 of the podcast and our archives available at the ESOPpodcast.com and check out the full conversation with Ramona as well as the conversation with her colleague Tim Garbinski. We're grateful to belong to NCO and hope you support all of the organizations. We'll be right back with our conversation with Will Rodriguez, but first. Are you interested in sharing your passion on the EO podcast and ESOP minicast? We're looking for correspondents to tell us their great stories of employee ownership. These one to four minute long segments can be recorded remotely over the internet or by telephone. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please reach out. You'll hear contact information at the end of this episode. Thanks, Bitsy. And now we turn to Will Rodriguez, who sat down with us while he was in Las Vegas to attend the ESOP Association National Conference. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Will. I'm sitting here with Will Rodriguez of Vision Point Capital. Will, how are you today? I'm doing well, Brett. Thank you. You and I worked together a little bit back when I was with Capital Trustees, and I really appreciate your coming on the podcast and wanted to get to know a little bit about 
you and your firm and share with the listeners. So I know you from Vision Point Capital, and I know you as a valuation advisor, which is how you met when I was a trustee or how we met when I was a trustee. Before we start the conversation, let's talk a little bit about your background. I understand you have been doing valuations for 20 years. You've been in the ESOP space for about 12 years. You also do a couple of other things. So just share a little bit how you got to be in this conversation with me today. Well, Brett, it really just started with started with that one. It started with one client that they're in Tampa that I got to kind of know their story. Again, evaluation. Uh, obviously, that was my I uh, headed up the group, the CPA firm that I was a part of. And you know, as I got into this, I just immediately became um, engulfed and just read up, got all the education I could, and. Of course, what do you want to do when you have one? You want to get the next one. So, so this was about 12 years ago. You got yes. your first ESOP client. That's you had correct. been doing valuations for about eight years at a traditional large CPA firm that uh, had multitude of clients and multidisciplinary. Exactly. And you got the one ESOP and you drank the Kool-Aid, as, as we Kool-Aid. perhaps inarticulately yeah. say. So you started building from there right. and added clients? Yeah, added clients. Um, and then about five years ago, I... I left the CPA world and went independently on my own, opened my um, primarily valuation shop that, again, where we work with ESOP and non-ESOP clients as well. But still, you know, that one, that one client turned into five and, you know, upwards of 40 now that we work with all over the nation. Been involved in probably over 100 transactions uh, since that since our beginning of working with ESOP. So, again, it's just a space that, you know, we love. I personally, um, you know, just get up every day and, again, trying to uh, help move ownership, employee ownership forward. It is very cool for me that I get to do what I've been doing my whole life, which is, frankly, work in business, grow business, and um, create value. But it seems that I'm doing it for a whole other class of folks now, not just the ones who have traditionally been the business owners, the board members, etc. But we have the opportunity to, to create true wealth for folks that didn't necessarily have the opportunity in the past. I agree. Definitely the... Employee engagement and you know thinking like an owner again that's the you know the real key is not only just it aligns the owners and the employees in, in the same direction. In the ESOP space, you provide valuation advisory services to the trustee. Correct. In the other aspects of your business, let's just talk about that for a moment. You're on the seller side. You're, uh, for example, if you're doing M&A advisory, that's broader than whether it's ESOP or not, correct? So that's just, correct. Just yes. give us a moment and just talk about broadly what your practice does. Yeah, so for clients outside of ESOP transactions, we're generally working with, with the owner, the seller. Um, maybe, you know, it's a partnership buyout. They need, you know, the company valued so they can execute a, a partnership um, buy buyback. Maybe it's an attorney that... Again, two parties, people fight. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one of seven children and used to litigate. Why, yes, I'm aware that people fight. Uh, So business owners fight as well. So we get brought in to determine the value under those circumstances. And and that will lead to the litigation support and And, of course, there's the tax practice. Um, Again, state and gift taxes um, with exemption so high isn't so relevant for a lot of of people anymore. But still, we'll, we'll get engaged on a number of transactions per year. And doing valuations for estate gift purposes as well. On these professional spotlights, we're asking our advisors to share what they think is particularly important or interesting in the valuation space. What is it in your mind that would be of interest to our listeners? So again, for me being in Florida, uh, I know ESOP awareness is a key, is a, is a big challenge that we're, we're trying to tackle. 
as far as either through um, some of the associations already, such as the ESOP Association, or through um, some other other means. So really trying to get the CPA, the attorneys, the bankers, or other advisors to really understand and educate them from you know what is an ESOP, how does employee ownership really create a win-win for you know both the the seller, which is primarily would be their client, and the you know employees, which again we we know is the reason why we're here here today. It's kind of interesting that we all understand that ESOP transactions are going to come by definition from those who are selling their companies, but it seems that it's been a struggle historically for for ESOP world, and in that sense I say we, all of us, to really penetrate with the selling advisors that you mentioned, maybe the CPAs, the folks who have the relationships with these selling shareholders. Do you have any sense of, of, of how to approach it or just keep with repetition? Well, again, the, the CPA, the attorney, you know, that really trusted advisor, they're, they're not going to want to recommend a strategy to their, their business owner client that would, you know, create any type of um, ill will or you know, kind of an egg on their face. So, again, ESOP is complex. Again, we, we're at this conference. There's hundreds of breakout sessions. I mean, there's a lot to get into. It's just trying to get the the advisor or the business owner kind of over that learning curve, that, that um, say, barrier to entry in order to understand it, appreciate it. And I think the, you know, a big key for that is for current ESOP owners and employees to really kind of take the ball and, you know, reach out to those and tell their story. You know, let everybody know what a great thing it is to be an ESOP, an ESOP employee-owned company and, you know, try to create the momentum going downhill versus it seems like we've been going uphill for a while. You're exactly right. And we've chatted prior to the uh, podcast recording. Well, as you know, I'm as a huge a fan of employee ownership, but I think that there's some candor that shouldn't be misunderstood as negativity, but we're pretty much stagnant in terms of growth of ESOPs and, since 1996. We're hovering in around 65, 60, 600. So to me, it's how do we marshal the troops and galvanize everybody to put the message forward of what we all tend to believe that employee ownership really is of great value, not just to the selling shareholders, but to the employee owners who are created through the transactions. So that is the challenge that you're, you're talking about of, of penetrating with that message. And again, working with you know, ESOP clients for over 12 years now, again, I've seen firsthand the benefits of you know, starting from very humble beginnings to, you know, people really building up significant amounts, you know, in their accounts that they would otherwise never have the opportunity to have that amount of, let's say, wealth generated, you know, through this tax-favored um, transition strategy that, again, is something that's the best-kept secret. It is, it is up to us to, to help spread the word, help engage employees to, to share their story and, again, work with business owners to help them understand our, our purpose here. I think that's very well said, Will. And when you talked about the best kept secret, I think that that I equate it in my mind almost if if you think about like a destination, a, a, a location, where the locals and the people who know about it say, "Don't tell people. We don't want it to get crowded. We don't get it. You know, uh, uh, maybe it's a place in North Carolina or a place in California, wherever. Where hey, this is the best kept secret. But employee ownership, I think that we are. Uh, missing something a little bit because it's not the best kept secret. It's the worst kept brilliant strategy that we're really not. I mean, you and I are both believers that, right. that it's not just 
a good transaction, but for good reasons. So how do and we... I've, I've had conversations with clients. They really, they're like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm trying to host a seminar or a webinar or ask them to, to speak. They're like, we really don't want people to know how well we're doing. It's, it's something of, again, kind of flying under the radar, I guess, in their business or industry sometimes. You know, they get a little gun shy about spreading the word. So. And it's kind of ironic because, first of all, if you take a community like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and a couple of months ago in one of the podcasts, I highlighted eight companies that had come together and done a newspaper ad. And I expect to have the companies come in in future podcasts and tell their stories and and we want to get back to Iowa. But some of them are in the same space. And I think what they've come to understand in Iowa that I think is, is, is ingenious. And Daniel Goldstein of, of Foliant uh, drove this project. But if employee ownership community in each town or state is more robust, there's more opportunity for tax you know, benefits from the legislature. There's more opportunity for the government to interact. And we need to get out of the model where even the employee-owned companies are saying, hey, employee ownership is a secret that we must protect. Rather, let's spread the word because there should be a lot more employee ownership than there is. Do you agree? Oh, definitely agree. Definitely. I, I know we had a, um, a meeting through a, an M&A uh, group there in Tampa about three or four months ago uh, just talking about employee ownership. So we had Publix come in, a couple of local Tampa and Publix ESOPs. is probably is Publix is, is the largest ESOP a in, poster in the boy country. for for that's probably not right. a great phrase, but but they define employee ownership in a lot of ways, right? And, which is good and bad because again, good everybody sees Publix in our our marketplace. They know who they are. They know the success story, um, but also you know companies that we're not public, so ESOP isn't a right fit for us. We're not we're not big. supermarkets. Yeah. We're not that big. We don't have that many employees. Right. You're exactly so that's an really up point. To, yeah, up to the advisor group and. And again, company employee-owned companies to just spread the word. Look, you know, maybe we're a 50-person little HVAC company, but you know, there's an ESOP implemented here uh, several years ago, and here's how, you know, I personally participated and benefited from from this transaction. So spread the word. Well, you're a talented guy. You've been doing valuations for 20 years. You've been doing ESOP valuations for 12 years. You could bring your talents to any aspect of the valuation space. Is there a reason that you're interested or spend your time in employee ownership? It's not the easiest space to build a practice. So I'm just wondering, is there some resonance of employee ownership with you that makes you want to be here? Fred, I definitely would say the number one reason is, first of all, I is the the opportunity the win-win that I see it creates for you know, not only the seller but also the, the employees? Um, I mentioned or you know offline here we were talking about you know a company up up in the Midwest that you know blue collar worker you know just retired with a two point two million dollar distribution check. I mean that's something that again would never be created otherwise, and it just echoes the the reasons why we're we're talking about this today and why employee ownership is is so key especially given economic, um, political environment we're in. Again, Social Security, everything else that employees need to take upon themselves to, uh, to have the opportunity. Well, I really appreciate your time. I hope you'll be kind enough in the future to come back on the podcast and share what you're doing both in terms of Florida and what your 
in that category, as we've discussed, of what I've been calling the emerging professionals that, as I like to say, probably deserve more traction than they're getting in the ESOP space. And I hope that you'll share your progress with the podcast and keep us informed if there's anything that we can do to help you or the uh, Tampa or Florida communities, because, you know, as we have talked offline, we are both passionate about growing employee ownership. So anything that 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 we can do to help you, please uh, keep us apprised and come back. Well, Brad, definitely appreciate you having me on the show show today and look forward to a great conference here this week in Vegas. Already. Thanks so much. We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Kesop LLC and on Twitter at EO Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email brett at kesop.com on LinkedIn at Brett Kiesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. Thank you, my friends, for listening. We're grateful you checked out this episode. We hope you'll join us next week. Have a great day. This podcast has been produced by the Keysop Group. Technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design. Original music composed by Max Kiesling. Archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Kiesling. And I'm Bitsy McCann.